We are always grateful when we can open the Bible and read and study and make good personal resolutions to be better disciples of Christ. Have your Bible open, please, to Philippians chapter 2. In just a moment, we'll read from verse 12 down through verse 16. Philippians 2, 12 through 16. This is class content for August 5, 2020. Here's our passage in Philippians 2, 12 through 16. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Let me remind us of the theme of this section. It is attitude. That's the way chapter 2 begins. The right attitude, like Christ had. At the very core and center of one's character, there is attitude. That will continue to be our focus again here in Philippians chapter 2 as we move toward the end of the chapter, attitude. Now, let's observe this. In Philippians 2, 1 through 4, Paul describes the right attitude of unselfish humility without any taint of rivalry or self-celebration. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, this attitude was perfectly demonstrated by the incarnation of Christ, who emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He left the highest place to occupy the lowest place to live and die so that we might be saved. Now, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, there is exhortation from the apostle to adopt this attitude faithfully with such zeal and love and depth it will be seen in our daily obedience to Christ. May I repeat that? In this passage, Philippians 2, 12 through 16, exhortation from the apostle to adopt this attitude faithfully with such zeal and love and depth, it is seen in our daily obedience to God through means of influence. As exhibited in all our conduct, unselfish humility first internalized and then externalized in daily obedience. This will be our aim in this study to learn more about 
and to be exhorted by this as it relates to how we live every day. Unselfish humility as illustrated by Christ himself. That should be at the core and center of who we are, and that should be visible. Certainly it is visible to God, and daily obedience ought to be visible to others. I want to show you one more contextual connection that places emphasis on motive. Christ died, was raised from the dead, and exalted to the right hand of God, given the name that is above every name, which will be evident to all at the final judgment. And it says in verses 10 and 11 that every knee should bow, every tongue should confess. I am convinced of this now. I will live in obedience to him until the end. Daily obedience is deserved by Jesus. It is the subject of this passage, and the passage is loaded with all sorts of valuable long-term motivation. Now, let's continue. Verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I want us to listen to this from the New International Version. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let's talk for a few minutes about obedience. In modern religion, in what is called Christianity, but is primarily denominational and evangelical, you may not hear much emphasis on obedience. You, you may hear preachers take the edge off of obedience. In fact, if you talk to some people about obedience, what you may hear is criticism. Uh, it is not, I think, that people are dead set against obedience. The problem often is a certain spin has been put on grace that causes some to almost be afraid of obedience. In the Reformation period of religious history in Europe, those men who took the lead in opposition to Roman Catholicism in some cases went too far beyond Scripture in their affirmation of salvation by grace alone and faith alone. And in the denominational creeds and traditions that came out of their work, obedience wasn't well understood. Jesus and his apostles suffered no reluctance in telling people, it is good, it is necessary to obey God. By grace we can. By faith, we will want to obey God. And I want to point out, Jesus' death on the cross was not to do away with obedience. 
That's just a peculiar idea people have, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, so let's not worry about obedience anymore. No. No passage in the Bible says anything like that. In fact, we can say this, Jesus died for us, but he doesn't repent for us, and he doesn't submit to baptism for us, and he doesn't live our lives for us. We do those things in response to God's grace that was exhibited on the cross. Paul was writing to his friends in Philippi. But don't overlook, Paul was a messenger accredited by Christ, an inspired apostle. He acknowledges their past obedience. He encourages their future obedience. He doesn't take the edge off of obedience at all. And I believe this ought to find application in the lives of all who have obeyed the gospel. Continue to obey. Part of this core attitude is simple commitment to obey God. Jesus' humility found expression in his obedience to God, and he is our example. So when I read the New Testament and become acquainted with the teaching of Christ and the apostles, I need to read and study with commitment to obey whatever Christ has said, whatever he has communicated through the apostles, it should be obvious that I need to carry out that instruction obediently with fear and trembling. F.F. Bruce called this the continual translating into action, the principles of the gospel. Or as Paul said back in chapter 1, conduct yourselves worthy of the gospel of Christ. We're talking about obedience that is conduct worthy of the gospel of Christ. By grace and driven by faith, we can and should obey God every day. That should be the plan when you get up every day. Let's make this observation from the verse. Paul implies something. It is like he is saying, I will not always be around. The obedience of the Christian is, first of all, obedience rendered unto God, not man. The kind of obedience we're talking about is the desire to do what God says even if nobody is around. No witnesses. No audience. Even if someone who taught you dies, obedience continues because it is founded on your confidence in and your relationship to God. Twice in Philippians, Paul stresses this, that whether he is there or not, they should be engaged in wholehearted obedience. You may remember this back in chapter 1 verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side 
for the faith of the gospel. And you may also remember this in chapter 2 and in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You ought to remember chapter 2, verse 12, because it's a part of this class that we started with. Paul would not always be around. Nevertheless, their obedience needed to always be around. It needed to continue. Remember the context lead in from all this? Jesus has a name that is above every name. He illustrates the attitude we ought to have toward God and others. And every knee should bow, and every tongue should confess him. One way we do that is, before he comes, we've spent our days in obedience to him. Look at another part of this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. One simple thing can be said right away. Obedience to God is work. It is not work sufficient to create merit to save us apart from the blood of Christ. No. But it is work. To obey God requires learning, dedication, application, perseverance. It is energy expended, so it's work. What a privilege God has granted that in Christ we can expend energy in the right direction. And it must be engaged in on an individual basis. Work out your own salvation. I cannot obey for you. You cannot obey for me. While we are a group, a local church, each individual must obey God, must do this work. We love each other, help each other, encourage each other. But obedience to God must be chosen and fulfilled by each one consistently and with a mindset of seriousness. It says here, with fear and trembling. This is not the distressing fear of terror. Paul said to the Christians in Rome, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Romans 8.15. No, this is reverence and awe knowing who you're responding to. God, the Creator. This is a deep sensitivity to His will, an awareness of responsibility in hope that we will rejoice in the day of Christ. So, this says in the NIV, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This obedience should be our purpose. Not only while we sit in a Bible class or watch a Bible class on video, but outside this venue, in the routines 
and relationships of daily living and from the inside out. Verse 13 adds another thought to this. For it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There is a concept here we encountered earlier in Philippians. When we respond obediently to God's will, it can be said he works in us and through us to accomplish his good purpose and pleasure. Earlier we found this in Philippians 1 and verse 6 in the phrase, He who has begun a good work in you. When you obey the gospel, God begins a good work in you. And he completes it as you continue to obey, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This adds another dimension of seriousness and motivation to obeying the word of God. While Paul would not be with them or seeing them in Philippi, God would be. God not only sees our attitude and obedience, he uses our attitude and obedience to accomplish things that are according to his overall purpose. As individuals act according to God's will, he works in those people for his pleasure. I want you to listen to Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 together. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We're going to move now to verses 14 and further. Verses 14 and further into the text. Some translations have this word grumbling and murmuring. Do all things without grumbling or murmuring or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Let's take up some of that. I never do see the word murmuring without remembering that generation of Israelites who came out of Egypt, delivered from bondage by God through Moses, they got out. And as they were going through the wilderness away from their bondage, repeatedly they complained. They complained about their hardships and said they should never have left Egypt. The Bible describes them as children who were ungrateful and unfaithful. And it is clear, it is clear in that history that bickering and complaining became a habit, a habitual attitude and way to talk. It is so offensive to God. He judged them for it severely, about which you can read in the New Testament, 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We all know it is clear to us as followers of Christ, we should not be like that wilderness generation. We will incur the same judgment, if not in the same form, because it is offensive to God for us to complain or murmur or grumble. It is not conduct that is worthy of the gospel of Christ, and it is certainly not in harmony with the Christ-like attitude. Paul is describing, do all things without murmuring and disputing. I tell you, if we get to heaven, there will be no complaint department there. Verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. In the New International Version, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Putting these verses together in this context, there is a progression to be observed and noted. Obedience with fear and trembling. God works in us through our obedience. We refuse to murmur and complain, and we become something in that process. We are building character. And one element of this is becoming blameless. Now, there's no reason to stumble over this word blameless. It is not about absolute sinless perfection where you come to a time and you've achieved it. Here is a simple definition, incurring no justifiable criticism. The word pure in the NIV or harmless in the New King James can also be given a simple definition, undiluted, uncorrupted, or spoiled, simple obedience and spiritual growth. Jesus used this word when he told his disciples to be innocent as doves in Matthew 10, 16. Paul used the word in another place when he said to the Roman Christians, they should be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil, Romans 16, 19. We become blameless and pure to the extent that we are obedient to Christ and that we are growing spiritually and we're able to be blameless and pure because of him who died for us. We can have this manner of life and shine as luminaries of God, though we live in a crooked and perverse generation. So let me read Philippians 2, 12 through 15, and we'll pick up verse 16 next time. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things 
without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I'll save verse 16 for next time. I have some wrap-up points I want to make, please. Obedience is not an option. God doesn't say, you want to obey me? You don't want to obey me? You've got these options. It'll all be good with me. No, obedience is not an option. Jesus came and said to them, I'm reading Matthew 28, 18 through 20, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Obedience is not an option. Obedience ought to be my purpose and your purpose every day, all day, until we die. Let me stress again the phrase in verse 12, your own salvation. Your own salvation. That targets individual responsibility. I cannot obey for you. You cannot obey for me. Individual responsibility. Grumbling and questioning has three consequences. It is displeasing to God. It damages influence on others. And it does you no good. Any questions? Grumbling and questioning has three consequences. It is displeasing to God. It damages your influence toward others. And it does you no good. And there is this reality, we live in a crooked and twisted generation. Anyone need any proof? It all started with Adam and Eve. They made wrong choices. As long as there is sin, this will be true. Our response to this godless society cannot be just to grumble and complain, but to be blameless and innocent children of God who work out our own salvation with fear and trembling and become luminaries, lights in the world. We're going to stop there, and I'll pick up verse 16 next time. Thank you for being with us.